Good afternoon, everyone. We'll reconvene the City Council uh, and have the Pledge of Allegiance. And uh, how about Ray Moore, since you're here today? Uh, again? Again? You're getting, see, you're getting the old hat. to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Kirk, uh, clerk will take roll call, please. Councilmember Hansen. Present. Councilmember Mullaney. Councilmember Peabody. Present. Mayor Pro Tem Mertens. Present. Mayor Roach. Here, um, we need a, a Move motion. Move to excuse Councilmember Mullaney. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Uh, motion carries unanimously. There's been a death in the family, and uh, Mr. Mullaney was called, uh, called away unexpectedly. Uh, are there any corrections or additions to the final agenda? Sure. Seeing none, uh, we'll approve those unanimously by acclamation. Approval of the meeting minutes of July 10th special meeting and July 11th regularly scheduled meeting minutes. Uh, seeing, seeing no objections, we will approve those by acclamation as well. Number four, public comments. All persons wishing to address the City Council should fill out a blue public comment request form in advance and hand it to the City Clerk. At the appropriate time, please come forward to the podium and state your name for the record. Speakers will be limited to three minutes. Parties are encouraged to submit their comments in writing with any attachments or exhibits they wish for the council to review, preferably 24 hours prior to the meeting. Speakers can then use their three minutes to summarize the key points of their comments. Please note that you may address the city council on an agenda item at the time it is discussed but only after being recognized by the mayor. Under the Brown Act, the council should not take action on or discuss matters raised during the public portion of the comment portion of the agenda, which are not listed on the agenda. Council members may refer such matters to staff for factual information or to be placed on a subsequent agenda for consideration. Notwithstanding the foregoing, council members and staff may briefly respond to statements made or questions posed during the public comment, as long as such responses do not constitute any deliberation of the item. We have one public comment, Bob Mitchell. Uh, Mayor, City Council members, um, staff, and guests of the City Council meeting. My name is Bob Mitchell, 74812 Valley Center Drive in Indian Wells. Um, I have some, what I think is really good news as to what happened um, on July 13th, and I would like the indulgence of the Council members if I could ask the audience one question and get a raise of hands. Does anybody have an objection? How many in the audience watched the National International Induction Hall of Fame other than Steve Simon and Ray Moore? Did anybody watch that, by the way? Very good. Thank you. On that particular day, um, 
the International Tennis Hall of Fame has this year six inductees that were, inter that were inducted to the National Hall of Fame. Um, this occurs every year following Wimbledon. It's the other, only other grass tournament in the, uh, in the country, uh, sanctioned tournament. And on Saturday, July 13th, they had five introductees. Uh, and let me tell you who they were. Uh, Martina Hingis from Czechoslovakia and Switzerland. Thelma Long from Australia. Cliff Drysdale, South Africa and United States. Jan Tiriak from Romania, the only, the only tennis billionaire ever to reach the, attain that goal. And our own Charlie Passarell from Puerto Rico. During the introduction of each of the members, the, the um, person that created the introductions had a four or five minute talk about Charlie Passarell, and that's where I really want to give my information to you about. The times that he mentioned Indian Wells were absolutely incredible. Not only did he mention Indian Wells a number of times, but the times that he talked about the Parabah Open, of which Charlie was the founder, Ray Moore and Steve Simon now are uh, extremely significant participants and owners of that tournament. But I was, I was really pleased with what he had to say, and then Charlie gets up, and he gives his speech, and the number of times that he mentioned our city, and the number of times that he talked about the Parabah Open, and the number of times that our city uh, and the entire tennis um, tournament complex throughout the world was mentioned was absolutely a, a hallmark of free, incredibly fine advertising for our city. And I was so impressed that I felt that I really ought to bring this uh, forward to you. And believe me, the countries that were introduced, you can better believe that everyone from those countries, Romania, Australia, South Africa, um, Switzerland, Czechoslovakia, all of them were watching. We're talking millions and millions of exposure that once again heard the great name of our great city. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bob. Um, just to uh, follow up on that, on uh, Tuesday of this week, the Tennis Garden um, had a topping off ceremony for their the top beam, I guess, in the construction. I don't know uh, for sure. It, it happens on all the buildings when they have the highest, most point. And the city manager, Mayor Pro Tem, and myself were there for that. Hmm. And uh, they did a, did, did a lunch, and it was featured in the paper on, uh, on Wednesday. Very nice coverage, and coverage uh, as well on all the local news. But we learned, and it was really... Uh, uh, as we're standing in line for lunch with Dick Oliphant, um, that uh, one of the representatives of the tennis garden, and Ray Moore doesn't know this, but uh, uh, there is a, a DVD of, of that induction ceremony. And I guess it's, it, they do have it or they're going to have it, and I have talked to the city manager about getting it on our uh, website so that we have a link to it so people can look at that induction ceremony for Charlie Passarell, who's made such a difference to our city by bringing the, uh, that tennis tournament and this tennis stadium here. So thank you for uh, pointing out. Well, I thought it was a marvelous article in the paper, and it did indicate it how many times Ray Moore knocked on wood to make sure that the, that the uh, completion of the, of, of the new 8,000-seat stadium would be completed on time, and I thought it was an outstanding report for our city. So thank, thank you, Mayor. All right, thank you.
We have another uh, public comment, Denny Booth. Mary Roche, City Council members, city staff, residents, and visitors, my name is Denny Booth. My purpose in speaking today is to try and get you to approve the purchase and construction of two matching multicolored fountains at the northeast and southeast corners of the intersection of Highway 111 and Cook Street to be finished before the Highway 111 and Cook Street road construction is completed. That way, that won't interfere with traffic later on should you do this at a later date. My goal is to keep my comments brief and to the point. Therefore, I decided to use a David Letterman approach, the 10 best reasons to put matching multicolored fountains at this intersection yesterday. 10, it is the oldest unfinished city council project of the city council projects, the one for the northeast corner, over 30 years on the project list. I was born then. Uh, to save time, I will skip to reason number three. We have sufficient monies in the Arts and Public Places Reserve Account to be used for city beautification purposes. Uh, reason number two, people driving through our city will know when they are entering and leaving the residential section of Indian Wells. They certainly know when they're in Palm Desert because that's all business uh, from the start to the finish. And the, especially at night, when they see this multicolored fountain. And number one, the wall factor. Isn't this a beautiful sight of the people driving through? I want to live in Indian Wells someday. Respectably, Demosthenes James Booth. Thank you, Danny. I have no other blue comment forms, so we will move on to number five, public hearings. Anyone who wishes or challenges any hearing matter in court may be limited to raising only those issues he or she or anyone else raised at the public hearing described herein or in written correspondence delivered to the city council at or prior to the public hearing. A. Public housing element update. Adopt resolution bill number 2013-48, approving zone text amendment number 2013-01, and introduce ordinance bill number 2013-07, amending various chapters in the Title 21 of the Municipal Code to implement housing requirements as outlined by the state in support of 2008 2014 housing element update and finding that no further CEQA review is required due to the city's certification of the general plan EIR and approving of the approval of the housing element addendum. 
Mr. Morellian. Good afternoon, Mayor, members of the City Council. The City Council approved the last 2008 through 2014 housing element update in 2009. As part of the update, the City is obligated to complete a number of zoning code changes required by state law in the upcoming 2014 through 2021 housing element document. So the document can be sent up to the state for approval later this year. To complete the 2008 through 2014 housing element objective, staff is requesting six amendments to the code. The first amendment would be to establish a density of up to 20 units per acre for affordable housing projects in the low and medium density residential zones. Currently, the City has a affordable housing overlay process where a developer can come in and ask for a density increase in any zone, any residential zone, but there is no distinction in the amount of density. So this would define the density to 20 units per acre in those two zones. And of course, the Council has review and approval of any density increase in the City. So we would be coming before you to ask for that approval. Oops, let me go back here. The second amendment is to permit small residential care facilities by right in all residential zones and conditionally permit large residential care facilities in the medium and medium high zones. Small residential care facilities, or I should say just residential care facilities themselves, include family homes, group care facilities, or small or similar non-medical care facilities. And these have been in the past regulated by the state and they will continue to be regulated by the state. So traditionally, a lot of cities already include these types of care facility allowances in their code. The next request is to permit emergency shelters by right in the community commercial zone. Emergency shelters are immediate and short-term housing with supportive services for homeless persons that are limited to oxygen of up to six months. Staff has currently developed some use and development standards that have been identified in your packets there. And those include, in terms of use standards, those include setting a maximum of 20 beds per facility, having the facilities open a certain period of time. This would happen to be from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. or to 8 a.m. And that would allow people to go out and get work during the day or go out and search for work during the day. It would assist clients in obtaining permanent housing and income services, and it would be limited to, again, 180 days. The development standards would include making sure they have a management plan for such things as staffing, training, intake screening, that sort of thing. It would also require interior and exterior areas for intake, waiting areas, and then the appropriate lighting and parking would be included in the development standards. Then the fourth request is for traditional and supportive housing by right in the medium and medium high zones. Traditional housing is housing within buildings configured as rental apartments to operate, to be operated under program requirements, and that's from six months to two years. And the supportive housing would be on a long-term basis with no defined period, and that would be for services that would go ongoing, both on-site and off-site. The fifth one is single room occupancy units by right in medium residential zones, medium high I should say. Those units are provided within structures 
Um, and they may include the bath and toilet facilities and um, also shared cooking facilities in the, in the units. And then the last one is, a, is to change the code to include definitions that would be related to all of these amendments that we're requesting. I want to make the council aware that failure to approve these amendments would jeopardize approval of the new housing element that's coming in the future. It would require uh, things like the regional housing needs assessment to uh, add the units from the last period to this period. So it's 244 units. This period's 160 units. That'd be more than double our re current requirement. In addition, there's a list of other things, court rulings that may force us to allow the developments if a developer comes in and, and says, I want to do a housing, an affordable housing facility right here. It could force us to do it if we don't have any mechanism that already defines the locations for it. It could help building permit activity. It could force us to rezone property. And then it could also affect us in the grant uh, achieving uh, possibilities in terms of us going out and getting a grant. The state may say no because you haven't taken care of your housing element requirement. On June 27th, the Planning Commission reviewed the proposed amendment. They recommended approval to the council. And then um, also it has been determined that the Prostex amendment is covered on the previous 2008 through 2014 housing element EIR addendum. So no further environmental analysis is needed. And with that, staff recommends that the council adopt resolution 2013-48, approving the zone text amendment number 2013-01, introduce ordinance bill number 2013-07, amending various chapters of the zoning code to implement the housing element, and then find that no further CEQA analysis is required. That concludes my long presentation. All right, thank you. Are there any uh, questions of Mr. Morellian? No? Yeah, I have a couple of questions. All right, Mr. Uh, Mertens. First of all, Warren, I'd like to congratulate you on a well done, very difficult staff report. I, I really appreciate it taking all of these elements and boiling it down the way you did. Appreciate it. I did have a couple of questions, more, more for the interest of the residents perhaps, um, just so there's a full understanding because a couple of things you said, for example, small residential care facilities will now be permitted by right. And that's a state law anyway, but they'll be permitted by right in every zone. Is there a requirement of any sort for notification of neighbors uh, when such a facility is going to be put in place? Not by the city. It would strictly be regulated by the state, and I'm not sure off the top of my head if they have a notice requirement. Okay. And the second thing is such facilities typically would include alcohol or drug and, or mental health uh, rehabilitation facilities. Would they also include sexual addiction rehabilitation? Uh, well, in terms of the small daycare? Yes. Um, small facility. Yeah. No. Well, the, the code change is geared towards homeless, uh, the homeless, in terms of how that relates to other uh, issues they may have, the uh, drug abuse and that sort of thing. I don't know, to answer your question, if it does apply to, the, to that portion at this time. And the last thing I had is on a couple of uh, different places in there. In one place you, you use the uh, terminology six months, and in one or two other places you use 180 days. And I'm just wondering from the standpoint of consistency if you might want to look at that, and I'll give you those specific citations later sure. on. Um, that's all I had for right now. Thank you. Okay. Mr. I only have a quick one, uh, and, and in part uh, because of 
Mayor Pro Tem Merton's uh, question. Uh, in, a, in, a, uh, in an assisted living where you have, um, what, what is the total number of occupants you can have in one of those small assisted living units, which, which I guess would be in any zone in the city? Yeah, uh, it's up to six. Six or more right. would be uh, required at CUP, and that's- It would, everyone would require CUP on assisted living? It, it, for the care facilities, if it's six, or if it's more than six. If it's, it, but that's what I was, the number six. Right. So you could put six people in an assisted living house in the city without a CUP. Correct. Okay. I wanted to be clear on that. Um, all of these regulations come about because of state regulations, and we will really be in violation if we don't go forward with them. Is that correct? Correct. And two things. One is that they are required, many of them are required by the state, and then, the, and then um, in addition to that, they are an obligation from our previous housing element. We committed to this housing element in our last one, the 2008 through 14. We said we would do these t certain things. We never did them. So the city's obligated to do those mm -hmm. before we submit the next one, which is going to be hopefully submitted soon and come before you in October. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just a question for information. Uh, didn't we have a, a transitional care facility or drug and um, uh, related uh, housing unit in that opened up in Indian Wells several years ago six beds or under I don't know I believe uh, that is true that was before Warren uh, became an employee of mm -hmm. the city mm -hmm. is it still in existence or do it we is. know it is it's still in existence it's just a fair way That's over in the Rancho Palmeras uh, is that the only one we have in our city that's the only one I recall being asked about for legal advice Okay. All right. That was just for information. Um, council, what are your wishes? I would like to clarify something. Oh, okay. The city manager was kind enough to point out that on those, I should have flipped back, but on the, the residential care facilities, they are, is at the very end there on the first bullet, mm -hmm. traditionally similar non-medical care facilities. So those would not be medical care involved with the, with the, um, residential care facilities. So for clarification, if, if a doctor would come to visit a, a person who is residing in an assisted living facility, would that then comply or would it be out of compliance? I don't know the extent of how much medical aid you can receive without it being in that classification. I think the issue is that the assisted living facility is a higher cared and medical facility than what we're talking about here. This is a residential care facility, so an assisted facility would be listed under a different um, code section in our code of what that operating use is permitted in which zone. So it would have its own requirements because it's a higher level of use here. So this would be a uh, residential non-medical care facility. So, uh, you know, a group home kind of thing like that that is under six units, not an assisted care. So it wouldn't matter if the doctor was visiting or not. They could visit 
a residential care facility. If it was, you mentioned a, a, a drug or alcohol, if this was a, a, a group home for recovering alcoholics and a doctor monthly dropped by there, that would be legal, but it would have to be under six people. I, I, I was approached not too long ago, the reason I asked the question, uh, about the possibility of someone putting an assisted living facility. And I don't know how you, that is defined uh, as it relates to the housing element in the city and, and what the restrictions were. Did they come to see you uh, on, on the, any, no. has anyone been to see you on that issue? No. But I, I think they're becoming more prevalent. Uh, people opening up their homes for seniors uh, in an assisted living situation. So may become more active in the city. Mm -hmm. Interesting point to watch out for. Um, we don't have it down on the agenda, but this is a public hearing. It's a public hearing. We need to open up the public hearing at this point. Is there anyone who wishes to speak to this? Seeing none, we will close the public hearing. All right, Council, we have uh, a couple actions to take here. Are you looking for a motion? I am. I would move staff recommendation. Second. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Uh, motion carries unanimously. Thank you very much. All right, item uh, B, underground, village undergrounding district uh, number two assessment district. Um, make an announcement that the public hearing scheduled for August 8th, 2013 is continued to November 7th, 2013 council meeting. So that's not going to be held today. It's been continued to November 7th for everybody's information. Next, we move on to item six, consent calendar. All matters listed on the consent calendar are considered to be routine and will be enacted by one vote. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless members of the City Council or audience request that specific items be removed from the consent calendar for separate discussion and action. If you wish to address the City Council, please fill out a blue uh, public comment request form and hand it to the City Clerk. Please state your name for the public record. Financial matters will be indicated as budgeted or non-budgeted below. Uh, does anyone from council wish to pull an item from consent? No. Seeing none, uh, does anyone from the audience wish to pull an item? Seeing none, I need a motion to approve the consent calendar. Please. Move, move to approve consent calendar. Is there a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. General business, 7A. Final design of tennis garden expansion sign plan. Mr. Morellian. Again, Mayor, members of the City Council, you may recall that um, in November you guys approved the tennis garden expansion project, which included the overall sign program for the facility. Uh, with the approval of the program, you had questions on the monument signs themselves. You wanted a couple of changes done to the monument signs. One was to take the monument sign from Indian Wells, the letters in incorporate them into the sign and the applicant will explain that in more detail. And then also expand the, the height of the, or the size of the letters to be more consistent with the letters that showed the tennis garden. Uh, the applicants here today, they're gonna to go through this sign program, hopefully relatively quickly. 
and um, explain what changes they've done. And then all staff is asking for is just you to review it, see if you think it's consistent with what your impression is on the approval last time you've seen it. All right. Thank you. Hi, I'm Gary Underwood. Hello, Gary. I'm with the design factor. I am the designer of the program. This is what's there now. I imagine you've all seen it. This was sort of the precedent that we were following. Here you can see that Indian Wells is slightly smaller than Tennis Garden, or noticeably smaller. And so in the original package that we submitted to you several months ago for review, that idea was carried forward, which I know there were some comments on. This is sort of what the sign looked like back then, and this was the previously approved sign with comments being noted that we should try to rework the graphics so that the Indian Wells was part of the main cabinet and possibly having some parity between Indian Wells and Tennis Garden. And so this is where we are today. It's much simpler, I think much cleaner. Uh, all four words are exactly the same height. Um, because of the wayfinding, especially during tournament time, it is important at every entry to identify these gates because people are looking for a particular access point. So we've added that to the bottom of the sign. It's very clean, very architectural. I think your, your concerns, I would imagine, have been addressed. So that sign that you see at the A location is, of course, the primary sign. It's the larger sign that we just looked at. There are only one of one of those at that scale on the property at the main entry. And that's it. And that would be gate six. You can see the little guy on the bottom right for scale. And it is at exactly the same size as previously approved and submitted. Then we have what we're calling the secondary access points. These gates, which are numbered seven, five, four, and one, are primary access points during the tournament time, especially back throughout the year as well. And a smaller sign, sort of a little brother or a cousin to the larger sign. Same design configuration, but as you can see, the scale relationship with the tennis player to the right, considerably smaller. And again, within the parameters of the previously approved signs, with the same design modifications being made to the sign faces. It is the same type style. Uh, it's the logo type for the property. We have, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we did open up the tracking, the letter spacing a little bit. It seems to balance the sign better, fills up the space better. And since these are double-sided signs that are always perpendicular to a roadway, you don't always see them at a straight-on angle. So by having slightly more open letter spacing, they read better at the, as the angle increases upon approach. Sign type C and two on the far Warner Trail access and two at the tertiary drives off of Miles. These are gate identification markers as well, but they are very tertiary, and we didn't really want to mark those with the name of the property, so it's just a gate identification marker. Same basic design character characteristics, same typography, same color scheme, same methodology, but again, in relationship to the tennis player, considerably smaller. Um, do you want to look at the sample, or is that something we should be worried about? Okay. I assume you have packets that have design drawings for these. Yeah, and it, it calls these things out to be an internally lit push-through graphic. And I assume that you know what that means. But in case you don't, the faces of all of these signs are opaque. The cabinet's opaque. It's a hollow cabinet with LED lighting inside. So there's no light that escapes through the face. 
but the light does escape through the letters. So the idea is that the letters themselves light up and they're three-dimensional in the daytime. So I had a friend of mine do a little mock-up that I could show you if you'd like at this point. Yes, please. Designated plugger. That's great. <laughs> She's our designated take care of everything lady. There's a switch on the bottom of it. Yep. Oh. So it's again very, very clean, very elegant. Mm -hmm. Letters read quite well. And that is actually the type style. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when the company who did this, and they are the company that I would like to work with on the fabrication of these sign types. They're very, very good. They're excellent. Um, I wanted them to do IWTG, but four characters wouldn't fit on the box. So mysteriously, TFN appeared, which is the name of their company. Uh. So, <laughs> that's their marketing ploy. <laughs> well, they can use it for all of their uh, demonstrations from here on out. Yes. And just so that you will understand the larger scheme and the greater context of these designs, this is what the vehicular wayfinding signs will look like. These are on property, but I wanted you to see a few more sign types just to get the larger flavor of things. Same coloration, same typographic configuration, and I think very clean. These are sort of cantilevered off, off, off to the right, off to the left, depending on the need. And I think for wayfinding signs, pointing that way is sort of a nice way to go. There will be three or four of these on the property. And there will be a smaller brother to this, which is more vertical because you have to read these above pedestrians. These are pedestrian wayfinding signs that will be visible around the campus that tell you to go left, right, or straight ahead of various destinations. And then we do have, this is one large entry facade to the new stadium where you'll be able to see some of the food users above. You'll be able to see gate specifications and gate information above each access point. Very clear, very user-friendly. Uh, this is another gate. And then just a couple of remaining sign types, again, that illustrate the continuation of that design intent, which would be these two. Very clean, very simple, very functional. So hopefully you will like it. That well, looks good. Uh, thank you for your presentation. Comments, anyone? No, I'd, I'd like to thank the tennis garden for taking the ideas of the thoughts we had and putting them into place. It's much appreciated. And I'm nice to see Ray finally have to admit that Nobu is coming since the sign's up on the wall. <laughs> Wish, or could be wishful thinking, yeah. correct? <laughs> Anyone else? Yeah, well, I, I too would like to compliment uh, uh, the designer and, uh, and Ray Moore and the Tennis Garden crew for uh, putting forth uh, some of the suggestions that we had, and uh, I think it's a great presentation. I, I, I do, in listening to you, uh, have, have an additional question. You know, is, is there a, uh, a direction sign out on the freeway directing people to the Indian Wells Tennis Gardens? Well, I can't answer that question. Anymore. Is there, uh, Ray, are, are you, could we, do you think it might be possible, or you, does anyone know how to go about I think it would be great, but, but out on the Interstate 10, to have a um, 
uh, a direction sign at Cook and and uh, off ramp and uh, or Washington Street off ramp, uh, directing people to the Indian Wells Tennis Gardens. We have uh, two billboards that we we uh, hire or pay for during the months. The months leading up to the tennis tournament, but uh, they just highlight the event, and it's not a directional sign. So maybe we should consider putting on the billboard, turn right on Washington if you're coming from uh, Los Angeles and left if you're coming from Phoenix. I, I was thinking in terms of, you know, and I'm not sure what the, what, what the regulatory, maybe you know what the regulatory process is, but I sit on the Riverside County Transportation Commission, Ray, and, uh, and I'll ask that question. Uh, and we have a representative for, uh, it sits on that board uh, from uh, Caltrans, and uh, Caltrans turned us down. Oh, we did. We actually okay. did have it on the sign a couple of years ago, and Caltrans made us take it off. So, if you have a representative and some influence, that would help. I don't know how much influence we've got, but I certainly will raise the question uh, about the possibility of having a, a freeway sign placed. So I think it'd be good for us. I think it'd be good for the tennis gardens. They have directional, permanent directional signs. Absolutely. We agree. Okay. Thank you. Because I've noticed that the, uh, as I travel every week coming out here, that the uh, campus, uh, is it on Monterey? That the, those have all gotten their signs recently, which makes it very but, easy to navigate to those. Exactly. And the first one you see is after you get off of Washington coming down, which I'm guessing is in the city of Palm Desert, is one of those brown signs over on the right shoulder. You know, tennis garden, Indian Wells tennis garden, straight ahead. That's that's the first time you sort of get an inkling of what's there. How, how about Thank you. Uh, but Mayor, that's smart. our our uh, our monument signs uh, uh, coming into the city at the various locations? Uh, do we have any direction, or could we put some tennis garden directions on them as well? I don't know. Let's uh, ask staff to look at uh, the possibility of what we can do, at least within our city limits, to give you some directional signs. Um, you know, the, the monuments, uh, Mr. McKinney, uh, at, at, at the various entrances, especially coming down high, Highway 111 eastbound, you know, I mean, there are, there are slots in that monument sign where you could put, uh, as with some other directions, uh, tennis gardens and uh, with an arrow pointing straight. That's true. Anything we can do to, 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 to get people to the tennis gardens and highlight it uh, is, I think, good for all of us. Mm -hmm. You do put up um, those temporary huge uh, billboards with all the signage. I, I think you've done a terrific job of traffic uh, control on telling people uh, if your parking is A, B, you know, this direction, and if your par uh, parking is D or E or whatever, uh, I think you've done a marvelous job in the past. So, but if we can help yeah. it, uh, and also it, it also uh, brands our city with the with the fact that it's in the tennis garden. If we do it on a permanent basis, so I think it's a great idea. I, I, I and and two. I mean, the ten, interestingly enough, people uh, think in terms of the the, the uh, tennis tournament, but that that's just a very short window mm -hmm. in all of the activities that they have going on. I mean. They are a 12-month facility over there, and so uh, in order to get people to that facility 12 months out of the year, would, I think would, would be good for all of us. All right.
Mr. Mertens? I'll just add my kudos to the designer and to uh, Ray and Steve and Dick. Thank you for following through on the suggestions made. You did a great job. I think it's a real class, class act. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. Uh, thank you so much for uh, making uh, the signs, Indian Wells Tennis Guard, which is the name, and uh, putting it all uh, at the same um, significance. Uh, and and I, I, I love the cleanness of the signs. They're very, very readable, and I think that's very, very important. Uh, we do have a public comment, uh, Bob Mitchell. Mayor, City Council, I just have one quick question to the, uh, to the designer of the signs, and that is, uh, was significant uh, research done on the background color? We did a fairly extensive investigation into various color schemes and color combinations, and we looked at some cooler colors. Um, we looked at sort of neutral, warm colors, taupe colors. But with the overall coloration of the stadium, with the fact that you have this massive green canopy and during the tournament time, uh, lots of colors from annual color, flowers, uh, the burgundy, something orange in, in the red-orange scheme seemed to be a natural complement. It would look elegant. It's still in the warm tones, and yet it does stand out from what's behind it. And so, uh, yeah, we, we got here very intentionally, and it took a little bit of time. Okay, thank you for that. I, I thought it was because uh, <laughs> you're branding it with the City of Indian Wells brand, which is that color. Uh, so it totally coordinates with uh, the City of Indian Wells logo. Um, but if I would have said that, people would have thought you paid me to do that. So. <laughs> and, and, and the true color is uh, Cabernet, is it's that correct, Mary? Well, the name of the color. But the name of the color is Cabernet. So The technical name. All right. Uh, does anybody else have any comments? If not, I need a motion. Uh, well, I, I guess we really don't even need a motion. Uh, we've all voiced our approval. There's, do you want us to do a motion on this? It would be appropriate. Okay. I recommend it. Okay. Move to approve the uh, sign design submitted by the Indian Wells Tennis Gardens. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? <coughs> motion carries unanimously. 7B, Median Landscaping and Lighting, Highway 111, Phase 3, Improvement District. Uh, Brad. Uh, good afternoon, Mayor, Council. Uh, this item's uh, been brought back before you to do the uh, bidding for the median landscaping and lighting uh, for the Phase 3, Highway 111 work that's currently under construction. Uh, back in the April uh, council meeting, it was directed to staff to uh, negotiate with Granite to remove this work. Uh, and at this time, we're bringing the uh, bid package before you to get that out on the streets and integrated into or with the granite construction so that uh, we can complete the work prior to that uh, November 1st deadline. So uh, with that, we're asking for council's uh, direction of staff to advertise uh, bids for the median landscaping and lighting for the phase three, one, or I went on in phase three uh, improvement project. All right, questions? To Kevin. That wake you up. No. Okay. Uh, where does this, what I see on the second page, is that the quote final budget for this project? I'm sorry, I didn't understand the question. Is this on the second page the final budget of the project? 
Uh, yes, it is. Okay. And under the Indian Wells, $564,000, what's the difference between that and the previous budget? You know, I'll have to do the math real quick. Uh, let me look at the original budget. May I ask? Yes, well, please, he's looking ahead. that up. Sure. The 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 uh, the, the uh, landscaping and lighting. Uh, did did you come up with this estimate in con in conjunction with the employees who had the concern in the first place? Have they been working with you on this? We 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 will provide the plans back to them. We're still um, working with them. We did take their comments, um, inject those into. The plans and the estimate does reflect that. I'll, I'll just note that um, it's very close to what was pulled out of the granite contract, which is probably where you're going. Uh, there's three items uh, that were needed to be added into a standalone bid, one being mobilization for a separate contractor, one being traffic control, um, because it's not part of granite's job to provide traffic control for them at this point. Um, but we can work with granite on that, and that item might come out. And the third would be one of the staff recommendations uh, to service the median on the west side of the intersection, the smaller one, off of a standalone meter. Uh, and that would be required to go to CVWD, and there's some uh, costs associated with that. So that's, there was a reduction in overall landscaping because we changed the median. Um, the landscaping cost didn't go down as much. The, the other item that wasn't mentioned, uh, or I, it was in the staff report, but we don't know the final number, is the granite construction contract numbers that will be reduced. So there is a reduction, a further reduction to the granite contract uh, for the revisions to the median, but that's a standalone from this median and landscaping bid. That's not reflected in the numbers that we see today. That is correct. It is not. We're still so, negotiating. So you'll come back with us. With, with it. So we really don't know what the total final number for the project will be, both for the city's portion as well as CVAG. Correct. It, it'll be very close to where this at, either at this or under this amount. So as it stands now, we are actually under the SLPP grant amount, um, which we're actually under by about $40,000. So we've got to, if, if things come up and there's change orders, we do have a little bit of wiggle room to still keep that 87 and a half, 12 and a half. But as it stands right now, we're doing very well in the construction. Brad, I will take the minute because I've picked on you before, so I'll compliment you on the work so far. It's been uh, pretty, pretty smooth, smooth through there, and hopefully it'll stay that way the rest of the project. But I congratulate you and the group for keeping it going. And I will just mention the it is a full team effort in terms of from staff, but also uh, Granite and our the construction manager that's been hired by the city, Lloyd Beeman, LNH. Uh, they've done an absolutely fabulous job on trying to make sure uh, to, to squash any rumors, um, <laughs> to try to, to head off any of the, uh, there's been a number of things that have come up. Uh, they've been trying to quickly address those as fast as we can uh, and try to just keep the, the, the site moving forward, keeping the memorandum going. Uh, and as you'll see, they're actually putting aggregate base down uh, today, tomorrow, and we might start seeing curb and gutter next week. I think they've done a great job. And I was a big critic, so it's it's hard for me to say that to you, but I will. <laughs> Thank you, and I will. And it's 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 the rest of the team. I'm just behind the scenes, just no. I agree. Paper we're going, but You're I will right. pass that along to the to the group. You're right. Thank you. Anything else, Mr. Murphy? 
Madam Mayor, I, I have yes. an answer for Thank you. Council Member Peabody. Uh, currently, over what we originally budgeted, uh, the city portion is $29,520 uh, over budget. Thank you. But that raises the question, will that be reduced or is that, is there any way, as a result of your renegotiation with Granite, right? Yes. You'll bring that 29000 down. That is correct. And hopefully through that process, uh, you, you'll get it down to no increase. <laughs> that would be the goal. That's, that, that's the goal. That's, that's, yeah, okay. And I think Brad's there. He knows, right? Yeah, between, Thank you. between the granite negotiation and what the final bids come in so for the landscaping and lighting. You'll get, you'll, I'm confident you'll get us there. We will, we will right. certainly try to get this as close right. as we can. And a little clarification for those of you who don't know what's going on here is that the original uh, budget um, uh, was approved and then our own staff uh, wanted to volunteer their services to do some of the lighting and landscape. Uh, but, uh, and so that part got pulled out of the original contract. And that's where all this negotiation comes in, is that that got pulled out of the contract. And so uh, we have found that legally the staff can't do it. It has to be done uh, by bid and by co outside contractor. And now it, we're attempting to get it back in without an upcharge for a change order, basically. Correct? Correct. All right. So at this point we need... Um, uh, it, it says direct, so we, we're, we've got a new um, um, staff report form uh, that isn't quite, a, doesn't give us quite <laughs> the same cut and dried information. Council is to direct staff, so we need to have a motion, I'm assuming, to direct staff to go forward with this phase. With staff recommendation. Is there second. a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Seeing none, motions uh, passes unanimously. Thank you very much. Item 7C, appointments to city commissions, committees, and boards, and assignment of, and assignment of two council members to serve on grants and aids committee. Uh, Anna. Good afternoon, Honorable Mayor and City Council. Uh, this is the last step of our annual uh, committee and commission appointment process. Uh, council interviewed 37 of the 41 applicants yesterday. We had a very, very, very long day yesterday. Uh, basically the whole eight hours of um, business. So I'm just going to go through each one um, individually. Uh, the first is for the Planning Commission. You are going to be choosing two people to fill uh, the two vacancies. We had nine people put in, as you can see on the list. Um, Mr. Booth was not interviewed yesterday. But he's still qualified to, to even though he... Yes. Okay. Just
While she's telling this, I'm very glad she um, let you know that we spent the entire day yesterday from 9 to 5 uh, interviewing candidates. And uh, so we've spent a lot of time going through, and it's not as if we um, are just doing this without proper uh, evaluation, everyone. Ah, interesting. All right, so we have one nominee, Laura Lee Williams, and so we're going to have to do a second uh, balloting. So you are going to be voting for either Mr. Booth, Mr. Keelman, Mr. Nars, or Mr. Staples. Okay. Please, thank you. Somebody's playing. <laughs> yes. You can't even keep a straight face. I know. I knew when I saw that look. So we do one of those four. One of the four that have got one or two. Okay, Mr. Keelman was nominated, so I need counsel to appoint uh, Mr. Keelman and Ms. Williams to the Planning Commission for two, for almost a two-year term starting today through June 30th of 2015. May I have a motion? I'll make the motion to have them both approved. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Uh, motion carries. The next one is the Architectural and Landscape Committee. Again, you are making two appointments. Um, just for council's information, Mr. Richard Jennings called me this morning and asked that his name be taken off of consideration, so I have crossed his name off. Okay. He wasn't. Make up your mind. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And they're alphabetical order on top of that. It's so quiet in here. We we need to do something in between, don't we? We need entertainment. You never have it quiet in this room when there are bodies in here. Okay, Mr. Nars has been nominated. We'll need to do a second ballot, please. Where did I put my Ah, right in front of me. So you will be either voting for Ms. Brittenstein, Ms. Clark, Ms. Lynch, or Ms. Neiman.
Okay, Ms. Brichtenstein has been nominated, so I need counsel to appoint Mr. Nars and Ms. Brichtenstein for a two, almost two-year um, term starting today through June 30th, 2015. Uh, could we vote on all these as a slate once we're done with these instead of doing it individually? If you prefer to do that, you may. Okay, that, that would sure. speed up the process, please. Sure thing. The next one is the Community Activities Committee. You are voting for three. And uh, we were unable to interview Roberta Clark. I keep forgetting Mr. Mullaney's not here. Um, Ms. Blank, Ms. Boston, and Ms. Pools have been nominated. So we will move on now to the Golf Advisory Committee. And we had 16 people who originally put their names in. Mr. Holmquist withdrew his name a few days before uh, the interviews, and then Mr. Balco was any, unable to be interviewed. And you are voting for three. Mr. Basson, Mr. Driscoll, and Mr. Sutton have been nominated for the Grants and Aid, I'm sorry, the Golf Advisory Committee. Again, their term is for the almost two years. The next committee is the Grants and Aid Committee. We had 10 people apply for that. Uh, you are going to be voting for five, and again, it is for the almost two-year period. We're, excuse me, we're going to do this, uh, the first one for a two-year period and then the second one for a one-year period? No, I thought the first one is just a straight vote. Oh, okay. And then after no, that, you vote. We, we, discussed, we discussed yesterday having in them uh, having a draw for, for the five 
for who yes, gets... Yes, I was going to make the announcement after you guys Thank made you. your nominations, but council discussed yesterday to speed this up. What they're going to do is they're going to put the nominations in, and then the committee itself, the members, will be doing either a uh, short straw or coin of the f one of those chance things to decide which two will have a one-year term. Right. Okay. Make it as fair as we can. Okay, so Ms. Zaniah, Ms. Griffith, Mr. Kipp, Mr. Ralston, and Ms. Tobin May have been nominated for the Grants and Aid Committee, and the, at the first committee meeting after the committee members have been sworn in, we will do a game of chance to decide which to get the one-year term. Okay. The last committee is the Palm Springs Airport Commission, and I'm just reminding council that the council is making a recommendation to the Palm Springs City Council for appointment. Uh, the final decision authority is the Palm Springs City Council. Uh, we had six people put in. Uh, one person changed their mind as to which committee he wanted to apply for and pulled his name from the Palm Springs. And then Mr. Balco and Mr. Markartney were not interviewed yesterday. So we have a tie for the Palm Springs Airport Commission. I will ask council, therefore, if they want to continue this one committee when Mr. Mullaney is going to be here, but knowing at that point in time that I believe it is Mr. Mertens is not going to be here, do you want to then wait until the first meeting of October when we again have all five? Take another have, have another vote, Mayor. Or would you like to do another vote? Do another vote. Okay. Mr. Gordon has been nominated, so that completes all of our committees. I need a motion from the City Council, please, to appoint all of the individuals that have been nominated for the six committees. Move appointment of the nominees. Is there a second? Second. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Um, congratulations to everybody who's been nominated, and, and our sincere thank you to everyone uh, who has put their name in for a committee. Uh, city can op cannot operate without people uh, stepping up to the plate to participate, and we appreciate everybody's um, 
consideration and uh, we look forward to serving with those who were chosen this year and anyone who wasn't chosen please remember that next year we start the process all over again so thank you very much the uh, mayor if I could add uh, it, it, it was a very difficult uh, decision for us in this process we had started out with I believe 19 applicants that ended up being 41 applicants and as was said earlier uh, we were in session uh, yesterday from 9 a.m. until 8 o'clock last night part of uh, it, not only doing all of the interviews but I mean the the quality of the applications and the people uh, was unbelievable and the interesting one of the interesting things about that was the fact that Everyone who came in clearly demonstrated a love for this city. It was just unbelievable and dedicated to working with the city. So it was a very, very impressive group of people that we had yesterday. And I would add my thanks to the mayor uh, in congratulating those and thanking those people. And, and remember, next year, if you didn't get selected, uh, please resubmit your application. Yeah, I'd like to thank Anna particularly. She put a lot of work in. She gave us a notebook with everybody's resumes. And uh, for my first time doing this, this was tough because there were an awful lot of people qualified for these positions. And some that didn't get it deserved it every bit as much as the people that got it. So I think, you know, the city should be complimented, the residents should be complimented because this was, some of these were very, very difficult choices. Thank you. Yeah. I'd just like to express my or add my appreciation to all those that applied. Uh, congratulations to those that were successful, and I would encourage all of those that were not successful um, to come back again next year. Uh, like it's been said, many, many well-qualified applicants, and I appreciate your interest in your community and the, your willingness to serve your fellow residents. So thank you, and please come back. All right, thank you all. We move on to uh, 7D, approved requisition for Greater Palm Springs Convention and Visitors Bureau in the amount of $204,727 for funding contributions for fiscal year 2013-2014. It is a budgeted uh, and contractual item. Mr. Mullaney. <coughs> Uh, thank you, Mayor and <laughs> Whatever your name is. All the same thing, Whoever. Honorable Mayor and members of the City Council. <laughs> Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> the Greater Palm Springs Convention and Visitors uh, uh, Bureau is the official tourism agency for the entire Coachella Valley. The CVB is focused on ongoing sales, marketing, and promotional efforts for not only leisure, but also group convention uh, sales as well. Uh, the council is asked to approve a requisition to the CVB in the amount of $204,727, which is the estimated amount as calculated per the bid formula based on the anticipated uh, gross sales of our four hotel partners. With that, I'm available to answer any questions you have. Does anyone have any questions? I have a question of Mr. Mertens, which he probably didn't expect. Um, he's on the Convention Bureau, and my concern is I read an article, and I talked to Wade about it uh, two days ago, 
in the desert sun where all they talked about was promoting Palm Springs. And, and personally, I find that irritating at best. And I asked Mr. Mertens and Wade to get involved and get a fair distribution of time and talent and dollars because this end of the valley from Rancho Mirage to La Quinta deserves every bit of the same attention that Palm Springs gives itself. And that's what really bothers me is that they're getting all the attention and utilizing our capital and resources to promote Palm Springs, but not the rest of the valley. And one of the things I said to Wade yet the other day was maybe we should look at forming our own little association of Rancho Mirage and Palm Desert and Indio and La Quinta and Indian Wells and start looking at starting to promote ourselves versus giving everything to Palm Springs. Thank you. I would only respond to that, Mr. Peabody, by saying I share your concerns, and I work closely with not only the staff at the CVV, but more importantly, our hotel representatives on the CVV and the the hotel part of it, and we're working to ensure that we get our share. Thank you. Uh, Mayor, if I could add my uh, comments. Uh, Mr. Peabody, to you, uh, because because you are on the marketing committee uh, with the mayor, aren't you? The two yes. of you are on the marketing committee. I think that's a great topic uh, for the marketing committee to to uh, to have a discussion and 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 discuss the possibility of uh, teaming up with the other cities, if not to create a separate agency, uh, but but to to go to the CVB together collectively so you can get the the representation that we need down valley here uh, and and the promotion because I, I totally agree with what you said but we're spending all this money and the interesting thing about this and, and being new on on the council I'm not sure if you're aware but the, the city of Indian Wells was paying close to a million dollars a year uh, to uh, the visitors bureau and through the by creating a district where uh, occupants and hotels pay a fee, a district fee uh, that that helped us lower our cost. But the point is, they're staying in our these visitors are staying in our hotels. That revenue is being generated that goes back into CVB, and we need to ensure that we get our proper representation. And I, I can tell you, having been there a couple times, Mr. Mertens alone. Uh, would find it very difficult to try to get the traction that he needs. So, so uh, if the marketing committee could create an effort with the other cities to go in together and encourage them to, to give us more recognition. Um, one other thing to keep in mind, uh, you're reading the local paper, which is out of Palm Springs, and so the local media, there's no question does focus uh, a great deal on Palm Springs, but as far as the CVA and, and how it's operating, uh, we probably get more of our fair share than we see in our local newspapers. So uh, not that we always don't have to fight for our share of, uh, of the work that comes out of the CVA. And, and I, like, I think your idea is, is appropriate that we work with the hotels on the marketing committee to see what we can do. 
All right, we move on. Did we do a Need motion on that? No. Uh, motion uh, to adopt resolution bill number 2013-24. Second. Mayor and Council, uh, we're on the requisition for the uh, CVP prior item. Right. Yes. There should be a motion for that. I recommend uh, the recommended motion is staff's recommendation. Okay. I don't that's know what if we're we. Doing. Yeah. All right. There's a motion, and I need a second. Yes, a second. Oh, and everybody in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. All right. Uh, you're right. I read the wrong motion. I was went on because I had checked that off already. I didn't know what you're doing there. Adopt resolution item E seventy. Adopt resolution bill number two thousand thirteen dash forty nine. Approving the First Amendment to the National Pollutant Discharge Elimination System Stormwater Discharge Permit Implementation Agreement and authorize Mayor to execute the same. Boy, that's a mouthful. <laughs> Hi, Bondi. Hi there. Sorry for the long text there. The City of Indian Wells, along with all of the other Coachella Valley cities, is party to an area-wide stormwater discharge permit with the state that's renewed every five years excuse me, every four years. Uh, the current permit expired uh, this past May uh, and Council's approval of the subject First Amendment to the implementation agreement will extend this current permit for up to one year or until the state finalizes a new permit. Uh, when the state does finalize the new permit, Council will be requested to approve a second amendment to the implement implementation agreement adopting the new permit. Uh, with that, uh, I'm available for questions. Any questions? I don't have a question, but again, as I said previously, I'd like to commend you, Bondi, for putting this in English. It really <laughs> helped me oh. understand what you were it's, talking about. It's not easy, but thank you. Thank you. With that, I'd move uh, okay. adoption of Resolution Bill 2013-49 and authorize the mayor to execute the First Amendment. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Thank you. Number uh, seven, or number eight, successor, successor agency business, approve successor agency warrants and demands. Move to approve. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Uh, motion carries unanimously. Nine, city managers reports, comments, and matters from staff. Mayor and Council, I was going to update you on Highway 111, but I think we've already heard that the project's going really well, and it's on time, and, and we're really happy with it. On the undergrounding project, the Rule 20A portion, uh, Southern California Edison and their electrical contractors have encountered some uh, unannounced outages and lingering issues with the fiber optic services. Uh, and connectivity issues. They are working with the individual residents to make sure that uh, we get those taken care of. Customer service is, uh, is our first concern and they understand that and I think they're working closely with that. We expect that the poles will all come down when the utility lines have been completely removed. That includes the Verizon and Time Warner um, more toward the end of, uh, of August. Uh, in the Rule 20B, I remember tonight, today we uh, set the hearing back to November so that we could have the bid numbers available so the residents could see those before we, uh, we move on with the last section of, uh, of creating that assessment district. So the joint bid uh, we're, we're working on for the public right-of-way work, 
they're underway, and they're due back uh, to Southern California Edison uh, by August 15th. Uh, we're estimating that the Rule 20B city-facilitated bid package for the electrical contractors will be out by the end of uh, the month or early September, where we're, we're doing this, as you know, a complicated package, trying to make it so that anybody that wants to can, can pick into that, um, the, the contract. And this will allow enough time so that the homeowners can see the cost information before it comes back to the City Council in that November meeting. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Council Member reports and comments. Council Member Hansen. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, most of the committees I set on uh, are dark for uh, parts of July and, and, and August, but I, I can report uh, on Sunline Transit Agency Board. Uh, we, uh, we have a, a, a request out for a new general manager. The, the former general manager resigned. We're looking for a new uh, general manager for Sunline. Uh, Roger Snoble, who is the interim general manager, uh, his contract has been extended uh, and, uh, until October when we hope to have a, a new general manager on board. Uh, but uh, uh, he, Mr. Snoble has really taken control of the situation over there, and, and a lot of the issues that uh, was facing the agency uh, prior to his arrival is being cleared up now and uh, things are moving forward. Uh, that's far as a report. A question I have of the city manager and hopefully uh, we, we can get some concurrence of, of council. I think Mr. Booth uh, has appeared before the city council uh, a number of times in an effort to get the uh, entrance project to our city uh, up and running. Uh, I would hope, I, I know that we, uh, we're, we have looked for a, a larger plan of Highway 111 from Cook to the eastern boundaries, but, I mean, in the past we've all been in agreement that we need uh, something uh, at the entrance of our city. I'd like to see us, and I would like to see staff come back to council uh, with some kind of uh, proposal, uh, to, or at least a, uh, an alternative, to, to getting started uh, with uh, creating uh, the fountains, if, if that's what we're going to decide on, uh, at the entrance of our facility. Maybe we can't get everything constructed uh, by the time Highway 111 is complete, but uh, acting uh, quickly. Um, we, we had drawings that were presented to us at one time by a former public works director. You might want to get a copy of those and that might be a beginning, but I'd like to see us to go forward uh, with that project uh, and quickly as possible. If that's a question posed to me, uh, as we are working through the city's goals, I had presented and will be presenting at an upcoming council meeting the, um, the collection or a compilation of the goals that you started in, uh, in January. And uh, in, in that set of goals, I was recommending that before you create the, uh, the corner piece at uh, Cook and 111, which I know is important, as well as the Carl Bray, that we look at the entire Highway 111 project and that you make sure that everything coordinates, that we do some master planning 
and uh, assemble the Highway 111 project, which is what I understood was uh, council direction. If you want to modify that uh, to have us uh, bring back at a future council meeting the Highway 111 Cook entrance monuments, we would be glad to do that. My understanding is that um, a previous public works director did prepare some drawings. Um, the city council wasn't happy with those drawings and wanted amendments to those drawings. We're not really sure what that is, and so we wanted to take the time to do a master plan to try to um, to make sure that all voices were heard. If that's if that's not the direction of the council, we'd certainly appreciate. Well, obviously, you know, the council, the full vote of the council. I don't know if I have the support to do that, but. My, myself, I would I would segregate that and move forward as quickly as I would move forward as quickly as possible. I, I think it's been said time and time again. We could be sitting here with a master plan a year from now and still not having monuments at the entrance of our city. And I think we could create those monuments without impacting the overall uh, master plan for the balance of Highway 111. I, I'd like to see it go forward. Uh, in advance of a master plan. I, I believe at a, a council meeting, again, as we talked about your goals last, last evening on our very extended long day, we approved those goals as far as uh, looking at an overall master plan, uh, and it had gone through council uh, several months ago that, that we wanted to look, we wanted to go forward with really identifying um, everything along uh, Highway 111, and then we wanted a coordinated approach that did uh, bring in the Carl Bray. And, and let me remind you that we do have a on our CEQA report on the um, Carl Bray property, uh, we do have to do uh, some mitigation and, and, and some development there. So I don't know which comes first, but um, and to try and, you know, I agree. Denny Booth is, is bringing this up and bless his heart for c continuing to do it. But with the corner being done in supposedly in, in another two months, uh, I don't see any, personally, I don't see any way we could have some plans and do some development before we're ready for season and that corner to be open. And that's, that's my point of view. And I, I would simply add that I, I certainly appreciate Mr. Booth's interest in that. It's, it's clearly a key entry to our community. Um, and I support the idea that we, we really need to look at that. But I, I really think that it needs to be done in conjunction with a master plan for the entire Highway 111 corridor. So I'd like to see us stay on track with that. No, I'm. All right. Um, so at this point, I don't see that you have uh, direction to go forward on that. Uh, suggestion by Mr. Hansen. We'll move on to um, Councilmember comments. Um, Councilmember Peabody. Nothing to report. Mayor Pro Tem Martins. No report. Uh, I have nothing to report as well. Uh, city Attorney reports and comments. Thank you, Mayor and Council Members. The City Council and Housing Authority and Successor Agency conducted a special meeting this morning at 10 o'clock a.m. As part of that special meeting, there was a closed session. The Housing Authority, as applicable, and the City Council, as applicable, uh, conducted a closed session in order to consider the following. The Housing Authority, item 4A, on that posted agenda of the special meeting. The City Council considered items 5A, B, C, D, E, and F. 
Regarding item 5A, which is the litigation captioned Libby versus Indian Wells, there is nothing new to report. The trial date remains November 4, 2013. Regarding item 5D on the posted agenda, the City Council considered a claim concerning an errant golf ball and separately issues concerning potential litigation regarding the Miles Crossing uh, Retail LLC project on the northeast corner of Highway 111 and Miles Avenue. The successor agency considered item 6A concerning the project on the land located on the northwest corner of Highway 111 and Miles Avenue. Otherwise, there was no reportable action. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, number 13, successor. Oh, you, that was a closed session. You reported on that part, too. All right. At this point, we will adjourn to a regularly scheduled meeting of the City Council to be held at 1.30 on, the, on September 12th. Have a good summer for the rest of the summer, everyone. See you in uh, September. Thank you all for being here. Hey, Denny, I tried for you. What can I say? You know, I, I, I just work for you all the time and I get nowhere. <laughs> <laughs>